The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This week's episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by the Murder Mystery Retirement Home. Instead, it's brought to you by your local cat or dog shelter. Are you looking for a little furry friend to keep you company? Yeah, don't be like those other people that go to a breeder, you know, and get themselves like a Rottweiler or a Dobermadoodle or a German Shepherd Madoodle. No, don't do that. Go to the pound. Go to a shelter. There's tons of wonderful animals, cats and dogs, who really need a home. And some of the best animals I've ever met, the greatest dogs and cats, came from. They were just strays who came out of a shelter. So. Uh, and if you already have a cat or a dog or you can't have one, you know, you can always donate money. They need it. Or you can donate your time. You know, you can meet lots of cool animals and cool people, too. So, hey, do it today or tomorrow. Well, hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, as always, joined by... Joe. And Devin. Who's <laughs> not sure she's Devin. Have you been uh, replaced by a yeah. pod person? Yeah. It do you even know what a pod person is? I do. Yeah. I was actually going to say I, I think I'm a synth, but... Okay. <laughs> we're just talking different fandoms. It's fine. Sweet. It happens so much. It you does. Know? At least in the movies. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. All right. Well, uh, I guess we we've got a lot to cover, ground oh to cover today. So we're just we should probably just jump into things because, okay. as always, we've got a mystery. Well, and no dilly dallying around. Yeah. Well, this week we've got a big mystery, which is the crash of TWA Flight 800. Which I think a lot of people probably know about the crash and and it that it happened. 
but maybe not so aware of some of the controversy that surrounds it and all of the theories that have spawned out of the actual I, event. It's, it is kind of big. I mean, it's, it's big enough that the conspiracy theories have their own Wikipedia page. Yes. I so, have an important yeah. question. Yes. Um, was TWA actually an airlines or was it just like the code name they gave every airplane that ever had something tragic happen on it? Because no, I that, feel yeah. like TWA is trans world airlines. I just feel they like, used to e- exist, yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like every time I hear, you know, prior to these last couple, every time it used to be, oh yeah, that TWA, flight TWA, yeah. whatever. That was it was really no. tragic and it's just like what I really feel like TWA something something or you know letters that are almost the same organization mm-hmm. are the plane that they crashed in the original or the second Die Hard yeah. remember the second Die Hard they it ran must one be. in yeah. I, it's very similar that's but TWA was big enough they were actually that it was yeah. recognizable and they there, do not they exist were, anymore yeah, no, yeah right? they don't but there there for a while I think they were the biggest airline anywhere mm. they were one so of the top not dogs. surprising they would be kind of like you know the leader in crashes therefore also yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh well let me give a quick little disclaimer here we're going to call this a disclaimer we've just talked about how big this story is and how many theories there are out there and there is a lot lot of content associated with it and we're not going to be able to hit every single point because there is just so much i mean i've watched multiple documentaries on this already hours and hours worth of time and we're not and they don't get it all uh, there's hundreds of the t the ntsb report itself is like what 300 plus pages yeah i read most of that thing i don't know know. this script feels like it might be it's pretty close so. so so my point is in saying that is if this is your favorite or pet story, don't get upset if we leave something out that you think is in- extremely important or pertinent. Instead, Obviously, it wasn't. No, no. Instead, what you need to do is you need to go online and join the discussion because I know there's going to be a lot of conversation about this when yeah. this episode drops, and that's going to be the place to share it and, and have those conversations. Those are places like uh, the Facebook, the Reddit, mm-hmm. um, Twitter maybe, but like... Yeah, it's pretty hard to have the so conversation So I would say um, the Facebook group and the Reddit group. Yep, those are totally it. Before I forget, I do want to thank both Christy and Megan, who suggested this one for us. So let's get into the story. Uh, The story takes place on the 17th of July, 1996, when TWA Flight 800 was scheduled to leave JFK International Airport in New York City at 7 o'clock at night, uh, with its destination being Paris, France. The plane itself was a Boeing 747-100, uh, and at that point, it had been in service for about 25 years, which honestly isn't that long when you think of how many aged yeah. 747s yeah. there are flying around the world right now. Oh, yeah, there's still, I mean, yeah, I think it had been at over 16,000 flights. But Something like that, yeah. But, you know, yeah, planes aren't like cars. For one thing, they're, they're better built. They're well-maintained, mm-hmm. better than cars. And so, yeah, they'll go forever. Oh, yeah. Or close to. Oh, yeah, no, it's yeah. like about well-built. I told you guys, I went into the Boeing factory and took the tour, and it's amazing yeah. the mm-hmm. stuff that they do. Oh, yeah. Um, it but, is incredible to me, just like sidebar, how many things you have done. 
<laughs> the longer we do this, the more I'm like, when does Steve have the time to do all this stuff? Steve makes stuff up. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Um, <laughs> so if you're wondering what a 747-100 looks like, it's pretty easy to tell. It's it's a jumbo jet, of course, but it's got that funny hump at the nose. So the yeah. cockpit is in that upper section, and then the windows run along the, all the way, almost all the way to the tip of the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of an easy way to identify it. Uh, the presidential plane is, or the presidential Air jet, Force One. Yeah, when yeah. the president's in it, it's Air Force One technically. But yes, that is the plane that they use when he and staff are traveling around. Is it the luxury. double-decker ones? It's not truly double-decker. I mean, it's... It's you know, like the British Airways one where there's like a little first-class cabin behind yeah, yeah. and then it's yeah. everybody, mm-hmm. all us plebes down below. Correct. Yeah. There's like a... Yeah, when yeah. you look at it, there's maybe a dozen or so windows up there. Okay. Yeah, some okay. of the, the later versions, they actually elongated the bulge, you know, to where it is a little more mm-hmm. double-decker-y looking and then mm-hmm. just more, more of that I just think that's the there. like the British Airways from like the early 2000s is like what I think of when I think of this plane. Got it. Got it. You want to see a weird one with a bulge on it? Uh, <laughs> look up pictures. Of... I don't want to see anything weird with bulges. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> look up the Dreamliner. That oh, is yeah, the weirdest plane in the world. The one that, or not the Dreamliner, it's the, um, what is the newest plane that Boeing is it making? It is the Dreamliner. Well, what is the, they have a name for the plane that carries the parts of the Dreamliners oh. around, and I can't. Oh, another one you mean. Yeah, 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 and yeah. It, is, it is literally a 747 with another 747 stacked on top of it. And it is the, nose, the oddest the looking. The nose flips up and yeah, all that stuff. Crazy yeah, crazy yeah. looking. If you want to see a weird plane, look that thing up. Okay. Uh, but we were already way off topic. It's uh, going to be a long totally. show. As I said, the plane was scheduled to leave JFK at 7 o'clock. Okay. But it was delayed because of mechanical issues with engine number three. It was about to explode. <laughs> no, but eventually. Uh, the ground crew fixed the issue, and at 8.02 p.m., it was given clearance to leave the gate. And at 8.19 p.m., TWA Flight 800 left the ground. It followed its expected flight path by heading briefly south. And if you don't know, JFK International Airport is right on the ocean. So they almost immediately, when they head south, they're out over the Atlantic Ocean. So this all takes place over the ocean. But they go south very briefly, and then they change heading, and they go in a generally east-northeasterly trajectory. Parallel to the coast of Long Island. Yep. That's and exactly actually, the it. flight path of 800 takes it right past <clears throat> Plum Island. <laughs> Very close. Very I did close. notice that when I yeah. was yeah. looking the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was hey, accidental. Does it matter which engine is engine number three? Uh, it does not. Okay. That actually doesn't, officially doesn't play into any. Okay. Yeah, I just be, thought I'd ask. Yeah, yeah no, totally. Um, so the, but the, the plane takes off and the flight time lasts for about 13 minutes. Now, it's a nice July evening in New York, so of course there's quite a few people out and about, and at the time that Flight 800, or TWA 800 is in the air, seven or 800 people are out and about and happen to be looking in the direction of where the plane would be flying uh, along the coastline, and these people reported that at 8.31 p.m., they saw, uh, some of them, I should say, not all of these people. Not all seven to 800 of them? Not se- all, more like around 50 to 100, depending like on the accountings. But they reported that they saw something rising from the horizon on a generally upward trajectory. At 
831 exactly eight, like that was the thing they where they were like i looked at my yeah. clock yeah, they were like it was like 830 or 831 okay. you know i that it's been pinned yeah. down that way okay but uh let's just say uh a lot of these people i mean some of them were like standing on the beach on long island some of them were like you know way inland mike like you know 10 miles inland mm-hmm. that kind of thing so they're all over something rising from the horizon is different for for the guy that was like a new you know way up in brooklyn mm-hmm. versus the guy that was standing on the beach Correct. Yeah. On Long Island. That's yeah. absolutely you know, correct. Totally different things. Oh, yeah. 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 No, that, that does and play a part. And that'll actually come up later on in our yeah. theory section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Joe's just I mean, setting the stage. Yeah. yeah trying to. Um, and now to, to address what Joe says in terms of like what these things would look like from different perspectives. Some of these people said they thought it looked like a distress flare. Others said they thought it looked like cheap fireworks. Uh, and a number of people actually said they thought it looked like a missile. Uh, Mm. flying up into the sky and they described is a bright white light that came up from the horizon although some people described it as a red light too yeah there is a red light yeah it changes color but it it, again it went generally upwards or in some instances upwards and then kind of at a 45 degree angle so there's a lot of uh, it's very loose in terms of exactly what the flight path of this supposed object was uh, after a couple of seconds of watching this thing fly into the sky, they watched it suddenly erupt into a fireball and then plummet towards the ocean. And after a couple of seconds, that fireball split into two, it split into two pieces. And then those pieces continued to fall into the ocean. And that of course was the explosion of TWA flight 800. And what they saw was the flames and then it splitting into multiple parts as it crashed. Mm-hmm. Now, the the people on the shore, they weren't the only ones to see this happen. There were people in boats at the time. I would imagine time. a lot of people saw this happen. Mm-hmm. The, ex, the actual explosion of the right. plane. The actual event. Yeah. There were people who were in boats on the water nearby. There's also a couple of pilots. One, I know there's a helicopter pilot from the Coast Guard and a couple of commercial pilots. There's a number of pilots. They re- reported it. Uh, but the boaters were nearby and they immediately went to the crash site to try to help. They couldn't do much though because the water was literally on fire. And if you if you go out and Google this, you'll see the images of pieces of wreckage floating in the water and there's flames all over because the jet fuel that was on fire is floating on top of the water. And so these guys couldn't get in there to try to help survivors, yeah. which was their aim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. understandably. Uh, that unfortunately. That and looting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. No, no there was definitely They were no trying looting. to help. Yeah. Um, I'm sure most of them were trying to loot, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff floating on the surface. And as you can imagine, it wasn't just parts of the plane, it was luggage and it was bodies. There were a total of 230 people on board the aircraft when it went down and none survived. So not surprising. It yeah, was kind of a hard crash. It's a very catastrophic event. Yeah. yeah, and at the time that it happened, this was the second worst aircraft accident in U.S. history. Uh, five years. It's no longer is. I mean, five years later, with United Airlines Flight 175 and American Airlines Flight 11. Again, five years later at 9/11, those numbers were massively, massively. You know, uh, they just went down. They dropped down the rankings very mm-hmm. quickly. Well, do they? Yeah, so they can they must count like the total loss of life in those ones. 
I am or guessing. Or is it just the... I, I mean, it must be. I'm Because I'm sure there were more people on the TWA flight than there were on either of those two actual yeah, those, planes. Yeah, I don't think those were stuffed full. No, those were stuffed full, but yeah. I do believe that it's the total, the total disaster, I think, is the way it's des- described. Yeah, That's why. that was but, a pretty bad one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I said, there's people on the water and at the, that point, and a massive search and rescue operation is launched, an official one, and police and civilian boats are out there. Eventually, it's military vessels... Are, they're combing the area. At first, they're looking for survivors. Once they realize that they're not going to find any survivors, they are trying to recover both wreckage and the bodies of yeah. the people who were killed in the accident. Plus looting. <laughs> Plus a, an occasional bit of looting, according <laughs> yeah. to Devin. Okay, I won't, we won't see <laughs> it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I can't take full credit for it's that. It's true. No. Okay, so here's here's normally how this stuff goes down is normally when there's an accident with an airplane the national transportation safety board the ntsb which was what we're going to call them from here on out they'd come out to the scene and they'd investigate to determine what happened and more importantly how to prevent it from happening again and i feel like a lot of people may not really know that it NTSB is out there, but you've seen their handiwork. You've seen reconstructed planes after an accident, and they're the guys who do that. Mm-hmm. Giant bottles of super glue is their friend. They put these things back together to figure out what went wrong so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's just like a giant model for a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except, like, way worse. It, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Well, except it's got blood and stuff on it, but yeah. yeah. The, the wreckage of Flight 800, TW Flight 800, it fell into three rather distinct zones. This is the way that they categorized it. Uh, they were the red, the yellow, and the green zones. The red zone is was basically directly underneath where the explosion happened. Uh, this And this is important if you ever go in and read the documentation from the NTSB and their official, their final report. Um, and, of course, the conspiracy documentaries will make reference to it. Uh, the yellow zone was very small and in the, God, it was the eastern corner of the red zone, sort of. That was kind of like in the northeastern corner. Of yeah. It. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to tell on their little drawing. And then the farthest east would be the green zone. Uh, it was obviously much farther along than either of them. The front of the plane was in the red zone. So that's the first zone. A little bit more of the plane, right around where the t- the wings join the body of the plane, that section, that was in the yellow zone. And then everything rear of there, so the tail, the wings, the majority of the fuselage of the plane were actually in the green zone. That's very counterintuitive to me, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and we will talk about that. Okay. Uh, I know, I know. yeah, it seems just, weird the do, way that's distributed. Yeah, and I want to make sure that I'm pointing that out because I don't know that people are necessarily tracking. The plane was headed east, mm-hmm. and yeah. but the front of the plane landed First. most westerly. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Most westerly. Yep. Well, yeah, that works. Pretty sure yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. That's close enough. Great. Yeah. It's a technical term. <laughs> it is the technical okay. term. It's the nautical term. <laughs> so we talked about all those folks that were out there and, and saw this light come up from the horizon and they saw the explosion. And they were not shy about telling the authorities that they had seen something like this and because that shouldn't be happening. And that, of course, got the attention of the U.S. government, most specifically the FBI, the thing is, is that this, you know, what they describe makes everybody wonder if this was an act of terror, if this plane was brought down intentionally. Well, you know, I, I got to tell you, that was uh, before the reports of possible missiles came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was uh, that night I was talking to a friend on the phone mm-hmm. 
because I was alive when this happened, believe it or not. And we all were. And he was we like, all were. Yeah, he's he's less, like, less yeah, cognizant than yeah, others. But uh, he's like, yeah, turn on your TV. There's a huge plane crash in New York. And I turned it on. It's, this has just happened. Right. They got helicopters out there, kind of. They're just nobody knows what had happened. Nobody said anything about missiles. Right. And yeah, still he's saying to me, ah, terrorism. You know, I mean, he was. He was dead sure at the moment, at that time, that it was terror. Which is really you know? funny when you think about how, you know, that's before the terror alert became a thing, but everybody just like, planes don't just come down out of the sky. They don't it just wasn't explode like that. Yeah, they don't just, so something had to have yeah. caused it. So, yeah. Yeah, well, there, and this is not like, you know, everybody acts like 9-11, there was no terrorism before then. But oh, there no, was, no, 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 no,
but every plane is getting shot out of the sky or yeah. maybe one plane, but it could be the plane I get onto. I'm not getting on an airplane anymore. I don't know. I didn't bother to do any research into the economic impact of this attack. I and don't. If it really had a dent I in. Have, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I think after at. 9-11, people mm-hmm. stopped taking airplanes for a while because they were so scared. Yeah. You know, so it was just kind of, I, I can totally understand mm-hmm. why the FBI would be like, we, we got to get ahead of yeah, this right out. now. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to speed things along here a little bit because these investigations are very, very meticulous and they take a long time. The NTSB would finally render their findings in August of 2000. So that's what, four years years later. That's a long time. And there's a lot of information. Like Joe said earlier, their report on this, their final report is over 300 pages long. There was an interim report or two that were put out. So there's, there's tons of information out there. I'm going to I'm going to try and cook this down to as simple and basic or short a time as I can and we're still going to be here for a while. Yeah, we are. All right. So, here's what they say caused the explosion. A faulty wire. Mm-hmm. Sure. Seven, I remember. Yeah. Seven short sevens uh as with a lot of uh large aircraft don't carry their fuel in external tanks like you'll see on some smaller aircraft. Instead, they store it in the wings and a portion of the fuselage underneath where the passengers sit, the body of the plane. And it's just simple flight economics. I mean, you you don't ever see jumbo planes like that because a big tank causes air drag, which slows you down and requires more fuel to get where you're going. So it makes just total sense in terms of fuel economy and efficiency. Well, and you also put it in the wings because that's kind of the fulcrum of the plane. Mm -hmm. It's where it balances. Mm -hmm. And it gives them some rigidity. That helps them out that way as well. You don't put it way in the back because as as the tank empties and your tail becomes light, you know, or things like that. And then you got to deal with that and that causes drag and yada yada. So, yeah. In the wings, the wings. Although I was yeah. reading somewhere, it sounds like they do actually keep some fuel in the tail. Believe it or not, well, uh, some which was surprising to me. Well, you know, it actually, just seems too far away. You could use your. Well, <laughs> they might do it as a, as a trim tank kind of situation. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, they have gas in the tail. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. too far away. Yeah. We don't have any kind of mechanism to get that to, to walk travel. To the back of the plane. Come on. Yeah. Now. Well, you're not vacuum sealed. That's because you're so. drunk. That's why. But you know, <laughs> no. I mean, uh, yeah. I could, okay. Yeah. Oh God. So, Sorry. Okay. Let's get back. On track. So, uh, so why is it important that I'm telling you about this fuel tank uh, yeah, situation? Yeah, we want to know that, Steve. Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, it is because one of the inside of what is known as the center wing tank, that's the one that's in the body of the plane, there is a small pump that's, you know, assists in the, the process of moving fuel around. And there isn't much in terms of wiring in there, but there was a wire and it appears to have caused a short and that wire happened also you know wires are interconnected everywhere and one of the things they point to to show that it was probably that particular wire is it goes into a bundle that runs up into the cockpit and controls uh the fuel quantity indicator system the gas gauge yeah uh, it's they refer to it as the FQIS but it's the gas gauge and because the the tank wasn't completely full 
and the short is going on. One of the pilots is saying, look at these weirdo readings that I'm getting on the gauge for the center wing tank. This is mm-hmm. just prior, a minute or two prior to the explosion. Pretty sure yeah. that's verbatim. Um, and, yeah. and then when that spark arced, there was vapor fuel in there. So it wasn't the liquid fuel, but the vaporized mm. version of it. Which just is pretty like flammable. A, which is always flammable. I actually watched a thing today, a guy taking jet fuel and a lighter and sticking, or a match and sticking it in the fuel and not igniting. Yeah. But as soon as he misted it across the flame, it just, it's it done. lit right up. Yeah. And they're yeah. saying that what happened is that vapor hit that spark that caused the explosion, which ignited the about 300 pounds of liquid fuel that Ooh. was in the center wing tank. And it tore the plane apart just in front of the wings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm say. So remember we talked about in the, the, the red, the yellow, and the green zone? Yeah. Okay. The nose of the, the front of the plane was ripped off in the initial explosion. The following probably second or third explosion or, you know, portion of that explosion ripped off another, say, about 20 or 30 foot section of the plane that included the the shoulders where they join up with the plane and some of the landing gear. Yeah. And, and then and some seats. Yeah. And, and well, seats. of course, and everything that was in that area. But was, essentially, yeah, it was the nose and then this giant ring of fuselage. Mm-hmm. It was just a big ring. And then and, what... The NTSB says happened. So it was the nose went down into the yellow zone or no red zone. The red zone. The second that thin that 20 foot portion went down into the yellow zone. And then the plane continued to fly for a short time with its wings on. And eventually crash. And I know that that's the crazy thing because well, a lot of people are like that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm on board with this whole you know the wings floated situation, but I'm not. I don't understand how a fire in the wings causes an explosion that first tears off the nose and then tears off this well, other piece. Okay, let, wait, let, let me re. I I may have glossed over that in the in the wrong in a bad way. It's the center wing tank, the part of the a tank that is in the body of the plane, not in the wings. It connects the two wings. So it's the center of the plane. It's between oh. the two wings. Center so, wing tank makes me think it's the tank in the middle in of the, middle, the yeah. wing. Oh, yeah. No. No. So, so when between it's in the, the body of the plane and it explodes, that's why it popped the front of the plane off. Okay, and it's in the middle of the plane? Mm-hmm. From yeah. from okay. left to right, the full okay. width of it. Yeah, think of the wings as a, as a unified structure. Right. Left, right, and everything, just one solid structure right. with the, the plane I'm on, tacked I, yeah, on I, it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I yeah. just, I but I still am, like, not totally, It's. I mean, it's fine, but I don't totally understand how the front two parts exploded into, like, two different things and why the front you would you know what it's it's all in the way that the fuel was and the explosion it's it it's fine i've read it a couple of times it's still tough to figure out yeah why it ripped well and this is this is where you can kind of see why like people don't believe this yeah because it doesn't totally uh... make sense i'm sure if you are a scientist about something like this or an expert in something like this it does make sense but for like us uh, you know, layman, this is like super counterintuitive and still kind of like, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but only because you said it's super sciencey. So, <laughs> uh, but the uh, th- thing is, is that, um, it, it does, it is, it does seem a little odd that the entire nose of a 747 could come off because of an explosion in the center wing tank. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, that wouldn't be explained by the missile theory either, which is unless the th- missile hit 
Unless it was an enormous freaking missile bigger than anybody's talking about. Yeah, and you're jumping a little ahead on us. I am jumping ahead, but but yeah, so I mean, actually, it's actually more easily explained by an explosion in the center wing tank than, although. In theory, you can, you can encompass both those things, the missile and the explosion in the center wing tank. Mm-hmm. So as Joe but, has you know, given away, one of our theories, yeah. actually multiple theories, no, is no, that the plane no. was hit by a, a missile Well, no, I mean, that's, 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 that's okay. out there big time anyway. I'll keep but, my yeah. favorite theory a secret until later. Okay. What is, what is it? So, you can tell me, whisper it. Here's the thing. The NTSB says that from explosion to final crash... The plane was in the air for approximately 47 to 54 seconds. So explosion happens, that front bit falls off, and the plane continues in a forward trajectory. They said that it was after three to five seconds after that explosion, the plane rolled and actually started to climb. So it actually went upwards. Mm-hmm. And according to their analysis, they say that it, it initially was at, 13,800 feet, which is 4,200 meters, when the explosion happened, and it climbed to somewhere between 15 to 16,000 feet in elevation, which is a 12 to 2,200 foot climb. Uh, that's 365 to 670 meters, which is weird. But at that point, the fire had continued through the plane, and you know, then bits of it are falling off and that's why we've got the wreckage spread the way that it is over the debris field. So when the soaring was happening, this was before the plane broke apart. Is that true? No, no. The front of the plane comes off and, and then the plane continues to fly and actually up. rolls and goes upwards. I know. I know. It sounds weird. Because I was willing to say, well, maybe the pilots were like, wow, we're on fire. And I think Aren't, when they're on fire, aren't they supposed to go up because there's less air? So it'll maybe... That if they're at high enough altitude, they can't do that to extinguish it. But the, yeah. the pilots yeah. were yeah. already exploding. Right. But that's but that was... My thought was like, okay, that makes sense because the pilots were like, oh, God, we got it. I think it was... Yeah. It was no. like, I don't think there was fire in that explosion. Yeah. No. Yeah. They were yeah. already exploded. It was yeah. just the, the back fuselage of the airplane somehow going like a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand feet up. 1,200 to 2,200. 1,000 to 2,000. Let's just round it out that way. Yeah. That's okay. crazy. A, yeah, it's yeah, actually that crazy when you think about it. Well, yeah, and, the, and the, I, you know. we'll get to it because I have, some, yeah, we'll I have some weird quirks with it. Um, so the NTSB, they say that, listen, those things that the witnesses saw, you know, that, that stuff going upwards from the horizon, actually that was the plane itself post-explosion. And what they say is that when the plane exploded... It would have begun to vent fuel, which was on fire, which would create a white cloud behind it. So the people who say they saw it come from the horizon, they may have presumed they saw it from the horizon, but it may have actually been somewhere in the distance and not truly on the horizon. And that weird trail that they saw was burning fuel that would make that white cloud and that they would watch that rise upwards because the plane is now gaining altitude it's going sharply upwards very before sharply. it then fi- has its final explosion which is then the explosion they see and then they see the plane falling and splitting as the fuselage is breaking apart and the wings are shearing off okay that's their official explanation of what they say people saw now i I, I I don't know. I mean, it's I understand what Devin's saying because it's just weird. 
that two thirds of the plane should continue on. And I know Joe, mm-hmm. you don't think it's weird. I, I'm 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 in the middle of the road on this, uh, but it's a it's an amazing series of events and. Like we said, that's why people don't really believe it. It and, uh, seems just outlandish. One of the things I, I, I really haven't seen is there. I've seen a map of all the locations of the different witness sightings, mm-hmm. and I've read all the, the various numbers of people that have said, okay, I think it rose from the horizon. And other people have said, well, I think it started about halfway up from the horizon. I want to know where those people were. Because I, I'm suspecting the guys, the people who said, I saw it come from the horizon were probably well inland. And the guys who said they saw it start about halfway up were probably on the beach. But I mean, we'd have to know. I mean, and nobody, I'd never seen any analysis of this that actually tries to break it out by, you know, these people were way over here and here's where they saw it originate. And I'd like to see that. And, that would be and, very interesting. And, that uh, would totally I, be interesting. I have no idea if the government even knows this. Uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully I, you would think they would have analyzed that whole thing because you that's would think, a, you would hope it's a worthwhile piece of information there, right? You definitely you know? hope. So that's that's the end of this portion of the story. By the way, don't worry. They they went ahead and they they fixed in all seven four sevens that wire and that could potentially them, make yeah. that explosion happen. Yeah, I think they they now they're, now they're pumping nitrogen into those tanks uh, so that the fuel vapor can't ignite. Mm-hmm. So there's no air in there. Well, that so, was the thing. Yeah. They were like, listen, it was July. It was hot as hell, and they yeah. sat on the tarmac for an hour. So no wonder there was vapor in that tank. Well, but, plus also apparently the center wing tank is over. There's a the air a, conditioning unit. Yeah, there's a big air conditioning unit that's got and so. So it's a, one of the major heat sources on the it's a plane. Heat sink, it's yeah. a huge heat sink, yeah, right underneath that tank, and so that generated tons of heat too. That uh, is that still true? Uh, as far as I know, it's still there. They might have added a little layer of insulation or something That's like that. That's interesting. Yeah. I have always felt like the air on airplanes makes me feel really, really nauseous in the same way that like having my window open at a gas station makes me feel really, really nauseous. <laughs> uh-huh. And that is maybe now connecting in my brain that actually maybe it's because there's some... a little some, bit of jet fuel. Like a, maybe a little bit of commingling that's actually yeah. just the sedative that they pump into the airplane to keep it's you the calm. vaccines actually yeah i think They're for me just it's just it's, me. for me it's kind of psychosomatic because i realize i'm just breathing in all the filth and germs from all these no it people, definitely you know? smells <laughs> different yeah. it definitely does, does it? Yeah. yeah okay well that is the end of the story at this point as i said so we should probably get into theories Ooh. Let's look at the theories. Let's continue on, actually, with what's from the NTSB. And let's go with the official theory, which is it truly was an accident. One of the things that the NTSB pointed out uh, to back up their findings was the cockpit voice recorder. And I mentioned this earlier that the one of the pilots had talked about the crazy readings that he was getting on the gauge for the center wing tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they said, well, look, that obviously means that something was going on because the, the gauge was bouncing all around. Another thing that they would say is that when they examined the, the, the skin of the plane, you know, the, the outside of the plane... They would see no entrance or exit wounds on it, and there were no signs of melted metal. And melted metal is important because if there's a high explosive that impacts the plane, it's going to create very intense heat, which is going to melt the skin of the airplane and throw slag everywhere. Kind of like, you know, if you ever see a guy arc welding, stuff splatters everywhere. Oh, yeah, you get those little beads all over the place. Right, and they said, well, you should see that if a missile or some kind of high explosive were used 
on the outside to cause it from the exterior of the plane, not happening from the inside. Now, what I really want to know is what the smirk on Devin's face is because she is holding back really, really hard. I just really love that they're like, yeah, jet fuel, jet fuel doesn't melt metal like that. (laughs) Uh, No, it doesn't have, it doesn't leave the same kind of patterns. I really what it's all about. It doesn't. I'm just saying Uh, all I can say is that I love that the NTSA was like, or NTSB was like, uh, yeah, no jet fuel doesn't melt metal. Okay. No, of course not. That's all. That's all I was talking about. Good. Good. Um, so here's now, of course, in their official explanation, we've talked about this a couple of times, is that it, it seems really weird that this plane rose after the explosion. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you know how we've all made paper airplanes, mm-hmm. and you throw them, and they fly straight for a while, and then they nosedive, but if you cut off the front, I don't know, quarter or so, and then chuck it, it should just start spiraling down mm-hmm. you right did this, away. You did this in the office, didn't you? Uh, this no, you but I have here. done this before. I've never done scale that. scale model 747. Yeah. Then I cut the nose that. off yeah, yep. with an and threw it yeah. and was like, ah. Oh. See, that's yeah, actually my favorite theory is that it was actually just Thor with his hammer Thor's on accident. Yeah. Just cut it off. Yeah. Oops. Whoops. Uh, just going to yeah. walk away now. Yeah. And that's why it rose because the, the hammer was still stuck under it and it was yeah. like taking it up <laughs> so in the air. Going, yeah. the, the Valhalla that's or Ragnarok or yeah. wherever it's yeah. supposed to go. Uh, well, you know, but I mean, we, I think we mentioned this earlier. The reason that it seems so weird that the plane rose is that by taking off the nose of the plane, you're moving the center of gravity, which should screw it up to a point that it should not be able to have lift. But like, Joe no, doesn't believe that. No, I don't believe that at all because you're moving the center of gravity backwards mm-hmm. well, behind the wings which drops the tail and well, points the, the nose upward i guess what i yeah. the reason i say that though is that if the wings are still chucked full of all of that fuel and you mm. move the center of gravity the wings are now the heavy point they should actually tip it forward now the wings not, are, the not wings, cause it to lift the wings are the fulcrum of the plane Without the nose, without the front half. Without the nose, yeah. The wings are the fulcrum. That's what the plane balances on. When it's fully assembled. When it's fully assembled, yeah. And so you take away that that half on the right side of the wings, and then the other half goes down. So the point is that the fulcrum can never be the heaviest point, right? Because that's what it doesn't matter what the fulcrum weighs. The fulcrum can be light. It can be. It will always be the center of gravity. gravity, So it doesn't matter. Okay. And so, but and so. Because it's what it's floating on. What it's floating yeah. on can't be the heaviest part yeah. ever. But uh, and that's that's the thing is that it just to me it seems strange that oh I absolutely agree I, I see what you're saying but but and try to remember also that this is another reason I don't it's find also it also has a hell of a lot of feet well more than that I mean they were at about I think thirteen thousand feet yeah. and thirteen thousand eight hundred they, they had just gotten orders from the tower to to go to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. and so uh, undoubtedly the pilots then you know goose the gas they they goose the throttles. And then the plane blows up, so they're they're you know it's going it's 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 powering up, going faster, and then all of a sudden the tail just drops because all that weight's falling off the front of the plane. And so yeah, it's going to go upwards until it either stalls or blows up. Yeah, one or okay. the other. Yeah, I mean, so here's a, a stat that might help. It's still I still struggle with that, Joe. But I'm not going to say that you're not that you're wrong. I, I don't know to be quite honest. But I do know that the plane they have the ability the 747s to rise uh-huh. to climb somewhere between 5,600 and 6,400 feet per minute, mm-hmm. which is pretty good climb. Uh, and for our folks who work on the uh, is, is the Imperial system. 
No, we are on the imperial system. We're yeah, on the yeah, metric. The metric on the metric system. system. It's named yeah. after the thing. It, it yeah, is. I know. I, I, I brain farted. Uh, that would be seventeen hundred to nineteen hundred fifty meters uh, per second mm-hmm. or per minute. Yeah, uh, climbing. So I mean, it. it you're right. It. It it's, could have gone up, and it could have continued onwards yeah, that, like that. There is a huge amount of thrust in those in those engines, and yeah, when you when you take away that whole nose section, that's a lot of weight. Yeah, that's all. You know, a serious lot of weight, and all those passengers too. You know, and all the luggage and everything else. I mean, all that weight just gone. You know, and plus the pilot just goosed the throttles. So yeah, I could totally so see the, that thing and climbing. The assumption is, I don't know enough about how planes work with like electronics and blah blah. blah yeah. That the throttle would stay open despite the fact that the computer that's controlling the throttle may no longer yeah. be disconnected. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing I don't quite get is that, uh, is that I, I think that on the, those planes, I'm not sure if they use cables or if it's entirely computers, wires, and everything. I, I thought that they had backup cables and all kinds of things like mechanical, hydraulics. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not willing to venture against. I don't. I don't really know because... I you mean, would think that if the computer stopped communicating with the plane, it would, it would stop... Well, accelerating. You would think, though, that, you know, I, that occurred that to me, too. But, it's, but, well, no, at the same time, though, I mean, you want the engines to keep going no matter what. You don't want the engines going, oh, well, I'm not detecting the cockpit. I think I'll just shut down over the mid-Atlantic. You don't want right. them doing that either. True, you but know? you don't want them yeah. going like, all right, full steam oh, ahead. Woo! I know. I know. Or like, whatever you told me last, I, let's I kinda, do that. But I'm kind of thinking that they are probably designed to keep going no matter what. You right. Know, until until they get the, the you know, hey, really shut down, reverse, do something. You right. Know? Because you can't have your engines just decide and hey, they can shut down. You can't I guess yeah. I just think like but, there's But yeah, I I know it all it, middle it, ground I, somewhere. And, I don't I, really that, know. That, the the value or the importance of that may be negligible because remember post explosion we've got about 40 or 50 seconds of flight time so it could have just been you know it had begun to climb and so the inertia carried it we don't know yeah um what we do know is that there is a ton of radar evidence available that track the flight if i remember right it's like three or four at least three or four different radar locations were tracking the plane not just jfk and they they seemed okay so there's a I mean, we're going to talk about this a couple of times but there's a documentary that came out in 2013 about TWA mm-hmm. and it's a bit sensationalist at times but they make a lot about the final moments of the plane and the radar information that's out there but that radar information tracks both the plane and then post explosion some of its de- debris moving yeah, forward yeah. as it in then plummets down into the ocean uh so according to that it does seem to indicate that the plane did indeed climb uh, and it, it before it eventually would tip back down and, and crash into the ocean. So or the, blow up. Or, yeah. well, I mean, yeah, the, then, the, both of those things happened. Ocean, both of those yeah. things happened, uh, probably in that order. Uh, but another thing that supports their claim is that there were there have been other aircraft that were down supposedly because of this same issue or similar issues with the center wing tank. Um, the NTSB they conducted some tests and they they took an old 747 and they pumped the center wing tank not full of jet fuel but God it was like propane or something it was an aerosol fuel and then 
lit it, ignited it, and it was catastrophic. It, it ripped that whole poor plane apart. Uh, so they were like, well, check that out. This obviously does very similar damage. Mm -hmm. There was two other flights that they referenced in their report. There's, um, which it's the Avianca flight 203, which uh, crashed in 1989. And then the Philippines Airlines flight 143, which crashed in 1990. I will point out, it's a little odd that I get why they included it, but the Avianca flight, the one from 1989. That was a bombing or that something, was a, wasn't there it? There was yeah. a bomb mm -hmm. that, ign that blew up, and it ignited the center wing tank, which they said the bomb itself probably would not have been enough to take the plane down, but because of where it was, it set the center wing tank off, and that's what brought the plane I down. I feel like their test, too, of like, listen, we filled it full of propane, which is yeah, it's gonna ignite, yeah. and then we ignited it intentionally with the igniter, and it blew up. Look, it blew up. It's kind of like those people who are like, "This recipe sucked uh, because I used peanut butter instead of regular butter, and uh, yeah. I replaced the oatmeal with regular flour, and it was off." Like it's just. Well, I, I think what they were testing is like they wanted to see if if it would blow up in this. I understand that. Yeah, because that. the tank is like yeah. Well, so we fill this with something that's going to explode. It's a tank strong enough to hold all that pressure in. Sure. Until it suddenly just fails catastrophically. But that's only half of the big equation there, right? They yeah. also have to prove that that one little fuse the could wire. Or wire. wire or whatever could yeah. also ignite on however much. Well, they were pretty sure gas. prior to this that it couldn't do that. Right. And but then, and yeah. so maybe. That's the thing is like, that's the part that I feel like I have no doubt that if you put a bomb on a fusel or on a fuel tank, yeah. it will explode a plane. Yeah. Okay. I, little, I'm not questioning little, that part of it, but, but I am. Thing. That's yeah. what I'm questioning. And so uh, that's my big problem with this and that test they did where they're like, yeah, we put a super explosive thing in the tank. It exploded. The plane exploded. Case yeah. closed. That's not the big question, though. You missed the, the point. The question is, yeah, the is not the explosive; it's the igniter. Yeah, the, 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 it's uh, the method of ignition. Yeah. yeah, and actually, the I mean, the, the, the their theory about that, which essentially is this, is there there's a very low voltage wire that goes into a sensor in the tank, mm -hmm. and and actually it's designed to be very very low voltage for a reason, so it yeah. can't spark and yeah. blow the plane up. But apparently, it is part of a larger harness that and that included things like goes back to the fuel gauge i think it was also wasn't the, the the cockpit voice recorder also on that same harness? i think it was all on the same bundle yeah and they had and they were having issues with it also at the same time they were having issues with the fuel gauge readings mm -hmm. and which which made them think they had a short somewhere and so essentially what it was the thinking is that there was a breaker that should have shut off and prevented that that, that all that extra voltage from that short from getting back into that low voltage wire in the tank mm -hmm. And apparently they discovered that breaker didn't shut down until kind of later than they thought it should have, which is how all that extra voltage got in there and sparked, created an sure. arc, and then lit that off. So right. that's that's the thinking about that. I understand that as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I understand that theory, but okay. they didn't test that they, theory. I, well, that's the thing. I don't know. Did they did they test that theory at it all? It doesn't sound like it to me, but they probably I... probably should have. I yeah. Mean, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I did. I While I read a lot of the information that they put out, I didn't read it all. Yeah. I don't think any normal human being in the could. time in the the month that I've been working on this yeah. could no. have gone through it all. It's right. a lot. Yeah, I think but I think like that that the thing where they blew up the 747, I think what they were trying to just find out was this 
if we if we light off the fuel in this tank, however we do it, is it going to be catastrophic enough to blow the nose off the plane? And we're agreeing on that. And I, we're, I, I we're think that, that's why they did that we, particular experiment. Right, yeah. which is fine. We yeah. are we're arguing that same thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that like they should have done the other one because the other I, I one is somehow more important. Even like testing that circuit to see yeah. if it could actually that's make that's more a spark. important to me. Yeah, I, I I agree. They must have. I mean, of course, yeah. this is a government. So I don't who know. knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on. Yeah, because that is the end of the official theory or the the story. Of, it was truly an accident. So from here on out, we're gonna to a point disregard some of the NTSB's findings because that's what the folks who are putting out these theories are doing where and when. I'm not gonna say when it's convenient, but when it suits them. I don't wanna be, you know, negative about this, but sometimes they're saying that what the NTSB said is wrong. Sometimes they're saying it's an outright lie. So we're just gonna follow that path. Yeah. So, so sometimes they're saying they're incompetent, sometimes they're saying they're conspiring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. collusion, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So theory theory number two here is that uh the plane was taken down and it was taken down from a missile that was fired from land. Uh, and they say specifically, they speculate that it was done with something like a Stinger missile, which is uh, the official acronym is the worst acronym ever. It's a man pads, uh, hey, a I man portable air defense system. I think that's a good it's acronym. It's a shoulder mounted yeah. rocket. It's really, that's the simple thing it is. But theoretically, that's something that can easily be brought to a location like the shoreline fired and then thrown into a bag and hustled away from the scene or so that even you would never know. like on a boat yeah mm-hmm. i was i was thinking shooting it from a boat makes more yeah. sense to me yeah I agree. well yeah. the boat thing comes up from a in a different theory but mm. but people say well who could have done this and why would they have done it and there's speculation well maybe this was like an early trial run on the part of osama bin laden or mm. some other group that we angered it's not like it's a new idea you remember no. in our baron 52 episode we talked about the uh, black september group wanted to take down an ll jetliner in yeah. rome airport and yeah. they had Remember that? that? Was that Baron Fifty Two? Think so. Yeah, that was. Yeah, not Baron. No, no, not not Baron Fifty Two. I'm oh, sorry. I'm that wrong. Was, uh, b- 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 Argo. Argo. Argo Sixteen. Yeah. Yes. God, I'm getting okay. my, I'm sorry. I was like, yeah, wait right. a minute. Right. No, Baron right. Fifty Two was Vietnam. Uh, we're doing, oh, we're doing too many plane mysteries. We are. We gotta, like, Stop. We're, no more we're, plane This mysteries. is flying off That's the handle. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's keep but going. Anyway, that was the one where they they actually got some some black market missiles. Yeah. And. But somebody, the guy, the guy that, that delivered him didn't didn't have a car, so they had to like go buy some rugs and roll the missiles up in the mm-hmm. rugs and transport them back to their apartment right. via the, the Rome subway system, rolled up in carpets. That's yeah, right. That's right. Remember right. that one? Yeah. Yep. But so it's not a new idea. I no, mean, no. Yeah, but the I mean, but the problem with the idea here, if it was a rocket, a mm, man pad, a man pad. Mm. Z- the problem with the whole thing is that there should have been at least an entry wound on the plane from where the rocket hit the plane. Or, and because it's high-energy yeah. explosive, there should have been melt, like we talked about before, that splatter or that slag. And officially, there doesn't appear to have been any of that. Mm-hmm. But some people say, well, that could have been hidden. Uh, and there's some ways that that could have been hidden. And we're going to talk about those in a theory and a half. Hidden by who? The government? Well, the, since the government the bodies certain, certain were investigating persons. it. Yes. Yeah. Generally speaking. 
Yeah. We're going to move on to theory number three. This is a different way that the missile was launched, and this is a missile from sea. By sea, by sea. But yeah, not with like a guy too. on a boat with a stinger rocket. Oh. But instead, it was launched from a ship that would be carrying munitions like that, a.k.a. Navy or Coast Guard or somebody like that. And here's the thing is that that changes the kind of rocket. It also changes to a degree the requirement of that high-energy explosive impacting the plane because not all rockets are designed to contact with their target and mm. then explode. Like, you want a fighter jet? You're not going to hit him. He's just too damn fast. Yeah, to but put if a... you blow up near him and throw shrapnel that's hot and fast all around... Yeah, put a cloud of crap in there. You're and then probably going to hit him with gonna, some of it. It's going to kill yeah. his engines at the very least. Right. So, so this stuff. theory is saying that... The reason we're not seeing a massive entry wound from a rocket is because it was a, a high, you know, I'm high tech isn't the right word, but it's a sophisticated piece of munitions that exploded and threw this hot shrapnel. And these one of these little pieces is what punched through the plane and punched into the center fuel tank, the center wing tank. And that is then what caused that explosion. It inter- that's what introduced the the ignition source rather than that wire that we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier. Um, and, you know, the, the NTSB, they said, well, listen, it couldn't be a rocket because we didn't have any kind of trace evidence on anything that would support that. This maybe could be the reason why. There's some things that we haven't talked about. And again, this is something that's brought up in some of the documentaries. Uh, and that is damage done to the, I think it's the left wing of TWA Flight 800. Mm. The right wing, pretty well intact in terms of, I mean, it's broken. Right. But the circumference of it was pretty well intact. Whereas the left wing, the top surface of it was shattered. Hmm. And the NTSB's official explanation was, listen, it was still full of fuel. And when it hit the water, there was hydraulic force that pushed the fuel that was still remaining in the wing tank. uh, Because there's two tanks, but pushed it through there. And that hydraulic pressure shattered the wing, and that's why that one's all broken up, whereas the other one came down in a different manner. Mm-hmm. And he, so the left wing had more, the right wing didn't have any fuel in it? Or had uh, well, no, I think, I think it's more of, think of it this way. If the, where it tore off from the plane, if, you, if that were to fall and land on that torn end first, then the impact with the ocean and all that hydraulic pressure upwards would have to go somewhere. Mm. But if the wing were to land at some kind of angle or flat or, you know, with the, the front tip in, that's a different impact. So it's it's not, the hydraulic pressure is not mm. moving through the length of it. I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, our conspiracy friends say, well, listen, that that's obviously total bunk because the only way that that wing could have shattered that way is if the fuel inside of that left wing were to also have ignited. And if they were hit with some kind of rocket like this, it could have set off the center wing tank, but it could have also set off the fuel in that left wing and mm. that would account for that shattering. Uh, I mean, another question would be like, wasn't it dumping all the fuel like while it was falling, but also then somehow like landed and the fuel exploded out of it? Like you can't have it both ways. I, I actually, I did, after I wrote up all of my stuff that we're going through tonight, mm-hmm. I actually went back to the NTSB's uh, report and I started pouring through 
whatever specs I could get on this, the wing tanks. Mm -hmm. The wings hold up to 16,000 gallons of fuel. Uh, that's 60,000 liters. Uh, I had to convert that real fast. Right. That's a lot of fuel. So in 40 or 50 seconds, if they were completely full when the accident happened, which I don't know that they were to the top full. Uh, they were heading but, across the Atlantic. But they were probably so they were pretty, probably pretty, pretty full. full. Yeah. Yeah. But it could, it's probably not likely that it would have burned and lost all all of the fuel in that 40 to like 50 seconds out of it but it probably lost spilling. a great amount of it so it does it does beg the question of well that's a lot of pressure to cause that and even if the wing was only half full that's still weird still like that? Yeah. that it would have that much shattering going you're right. absolutely right yeah yeah, you know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, then again, I, I could see if it's half full, all that liquid's in the top, then it hits and it comes slamming forward with all that force and, you know, maybe bust the hell Hydraulic out of action yeah. does some crazy it shit. It sure does, uh, but yeah. I do think there are still some weird questions about it. Mm-hmm. There, so another thing that our conspiracy theorist friends who are putting out the rocket from sea theory will point to is they will talk about the fact that, listen, and we've been talking about this this whole time, is all these witnesses on land. But there are witnesses who were in the air at the time that this happened. And at least several of them saw the explosion of flight, uh, TWA flight 800. At least one of them reported seeing this light streaking upwards and making contact with the plane. He's not in the NTSB's report. Uh, that's actually one of the major complaints is that of all of these interviews that were done, a, a huge portion of them seem to have been omitted. Hmm. And that omission or that having been cut out, people point to as, well, they're actively tailoring things to fit the scenario that they created for what brought this plane down. It's hard. It's that's, that's always like a hard one for me. I think you shouldn't omit things, but you do have to only include the like credible ones. Mm -hmm. Cause when something this big happens, a lot of people just want to be a part of the story and they want to say, Oh yeah, I saw something. Well, and also totally. The, I saw uh... something. And it's like, you have to deem if that report is credible or not, mm -hmm. but also, you got to include most of it. There, there are issues, though, with the way that the interviews were handled and the modification of witness statements. And we'll talk about some of this uh, in our next theory. I oh, think good. it's in our next one. But, the but there are statements. people who say that, like, I never said that. I never said that's not what I told them, and they're being cited in the report. So. Well, nah, they summarized; they didn't quote them directly. But I know. I the know. witnesses were all over the place. It's the problem. <laughs> they, uh, Figuratively and literally. That's one yeah. uh, one reason you really can't you can't really have all that stuff in there because it it doesn't make any sense when no. you cobble them all together. It makes no sense whatsoever. It makes it very difficult. You're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, but 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 that aside, what we still haven't figured out is whether this this was launched. From sea or from land, we still don't really see a clear reason why to to bring this particular plane down. It no, doesn't seem reasons. to be a logic other no, than to strike fear into the, the United States. Yeah, but of course, you know, the problem with that is, is that if it had been brought down by terrorists, they would have taken credit for it. Nobody did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is that is the, the odd part. Um, let's let's move to our next theory. And this is that it is a military mistake and cover-up. Hmm. Uh, I think in, we talked about the fact that in the beginning when we were talking about the civilian boats going to try to help, there were also military boats there in the area. 
And allegedly there was one military craft that was almost directly underneath the explosion. And it is seen on radar, supposedly. I haven't, I don't, I can't read the radar tracks well enough to know this myself. But supposedly it leaves the area at high speed while everybody else is going directly to the area. So people say, well, obviously there was a ship in the area. And if it was one of ours, if it was a U.S. military ship, and it accidentally launched a, a weapon and brought down a civilian craft, well, you know, no wonder they left. Was well, this you ship could ever see. I, was this ship ever identified? You know, not that I have ever seen. Here's the thing, and this, this really, this bugs the holy hell out of me. We've talked about this before. These boats and these ships have lots of people on them working every day. And it, if, if the military were to have made a foobar like this, then you would imagine that it, they couldn't keep quiet over it. How, how fast is 30 knots? Uh, not, not as like, uh, one and one eighth mile. It's about 40 miles an hour. Yeah. yeah something like that. It's yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, if I saw a plane falling straight me, down towards me, I'd, I'd, I'd boogie out of yeah, there. I'd but if you realize out. that you launched a weapon and then a civilian craft comes falling out of the sky. I would also boogie on out of you would, but, Both but, but, reasons. But, but well, after the fact, you, you would think that these people would feel a responsibility to say, listen, we screwed up in a big way and the military has done this and they've had to, you know, they've been made accountable for it. I can't, God, there was, no, it's uh yeah. I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. Well, it, it does happen. I mean, but uh, when you're playing with dangerous toys, there's going to be accidents. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the whole thing is no, none of these guys, I mean, the guy, the captain of the ship, the captain at the XO, all these, these are not morons. Mm-mm. They're not like our typical criminals, you know. They, no. They're not like they're not like thinking, oh yeah, if we just boogie out of here as quick as we can, nobody will ever figure out that it was us. Yeah. You know, they're not like that, you know. And they're not eight years old. No. Right. So but, I can see them like Devin says, you know, getting the hell out if there's a fireball directly above you. I can right. see them yes. stepping on the gas to, and getting a, the hell to, out of to there. save yourself, but, but you're then, gonna stop and come back. Right. You don't point. hide, you don't yeah. just hope nobody'll notice. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, um, you know, on a, a bigger scale, if this was like a vast conspiracy that ranged, you know, into lots of different organizations, mm. it wouldn't be, uh, oh, yeah, we made a mistake, but we're going to get out of here. They'd be like, we made an attack that was ordered from the higher ups. Yeah. And we feel justified in that because yeah. that was that was the goal was to take this plane down for whatever reason. And that, we will be yeah. taken care of. Yeah, it could be that uh, if it was, you know, I like this theory, actually, that. It's like, you know, we're going to do this and then we're going to go out to sea and mm-hmm. we're going to kill the crew and dump them overboard. Or maybe it's know? a, you know, skeleton crew. There's well, like five, I'm sure they left non-essential on... personnel behind. Yeah. No, no sense killing, you know, 500 people when you can kill 400 instead. You or, know, something like 300 or, or 200. You know, you know. It's but, very, you know, the small crew. But, you know, it's also, it could be like, well, listen, this is a covert operation. This is a, that's what this boat is for. It's a covert operation. There's a, you know, mass terrorist on that airplane. We're going to take him out. There's going to be a few civilian casualties, but the, you know, gain of life from whatever. I mean, you know, whatever story is told could be there. I'm not saying this is a good theory because I don't think it's a good theory. But I just think there are, like, there are a lot. I can get there. Well, and and I the thing is, so easily, if it truly was a military vessel that 
did it, then it would take a massive internal conspiracy of the U.S. government's part to cover that up. And that's what a lot of people are going on. And one of the things that really gets people going is the reported behavior of the FBI during the investigation. Uh, Because, like I said before, they don't normally investigate aircraft crashes like this. Um, And a lot of people came forward after the fact and said there was some weird stuff uh, early on in the investigation, of course, what's happening is, you know, they're getting the parts of the plane in to, to inspect and reassemble, and they start testing it for explosive residue to figure out, well, did somebody actually shoot this down? And they start getting pieces of the plane, which are testing positive for explosive residue. So everybody freaks out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Except then they decide to dismiss those findings because they say, well, listen, these parts of the plane were underwater for a couple of days, so there's no way they could still have the residue. So that must be, um, it, oh God, what is the word I'm looking for? It's cross-contamination from the, mm. the military vessels that mm. brought them back that, of course, would, be, have, would have munitions well, that would have that kind of residue on them. Well, and also there were at least some of the interior contamination was potentially at least accounted for the fact that they used that very plane for explosive training for dogs about a month before the accident. Actually, that that actually gets a lot of ridicule because if you look at the timeline, that plane is sitting on the tarmac, it lands then and then within about an hour to an hour and a half, passengers are aboarding and it's leaving again. Mm. So this is a very short amount of time to do a dog training exercise with nobody else on it, mm. but apparently directly next to it on the tarmac for mm. hours was a completely empty 747. So yeah. people say, listen, they were probably actually testing the other one and they said they were in this one. Well, but even, but, but even uh, if that's the case, the thing was underwater for days. That's part of it. But and the but residue as far shouldn't as, have been there. Yeah, but as far as the explosive thing too, it's not now even a very busy little 747 like ours what we're talking about mm-hmm. has some downtime while they do maintenance on it. Yep. And which is a great time to bring your dogs and your bombs on board and do, you know, do a little playing around. But like you said, too, it was also all this stuff was immersed yeah. for a long period of time. I don't know what kind of residue was left behind from a bunch of stuff burning on your plane. Not, not just the jet fuel, but, you know, seat cushions and luggage. Right, there's and so, people and on and everything. All kinds, yeah. of, all kinds of nasty stuff burning. And that's going to leave some residue, too. I mean, I, not necessarily the same signature as an explosive. Right. You know, but I don't know. Well, and, you know, there, at one point during their investigation, there's a whole to-do made of this reddish material that is found on the seats of the airplane. That was chewing gum. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, so much chewing gum. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it officially was figured out to be the glue that the seat manufacturer used to adhere the fabric to the, the cushion. Uh, according to the... There's a... Like I said, there's multiple documentaries. There's one that came out in 2007 or 2008-ish. And it says, oh, yeah, no, that's actually not true. That manufacturer never came forward and said that. But in the official reports, that's what it says. Okay. There's also some things. There's more weird behavior on the part of the FBI. Um, One of the people said that was involved said that he took a part to the FBI to have part of the plane said, can you test this? They were testing for nitrates. Uh, and they took it in, and the thing tested positive, and everybody started wigging out. And then the FBI shut him out and said, we have to ship it somewhere. And it's because we don't know if this is real, and the machine is prone to false positives. Except the machine was state-of-the-art, and the guy who made the machine and sells it was like, yeah, no, there's no such thing as 
false positives with this thing. It goes down to, you know, so many parts per million to make this conclusion. So it's there's like when McDonald's is like, no, our ice cream machine is down when you know it's just the employees just want all the ice cream for themselves. That's exactly the so same true. thing. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, but I could see if you did get a, if you did get a positive on this, on this thing, you'd want to ship it off to somewhere else for more testing. But, and the, so the thing yeah. that people say is weird about that is that there, there shouldn't have been any difference between what they were doing on site. Also, once it left the hangar, that part has been uh, unaccounted for since then. So oh, yeah. people find that to be very, very hinky. Ah, you know, they lose stuff. You know, the FBI still can't put his hands on D.B. Cooper's cigarette. No, bags, they, you know, they really, they, they, they lose stuff them. all the time. Yeah, everybody does. Uh, let's see, what else? They will not. What else did the FBI do? Uh, well, according to investigators, they manipulated wreckage. Uh, the NTSB... We're, ta- so we're talking about NTSB... Allegations against the FBI. Right. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to be clear that we're saying that like one agency that was investigating it, is, uh, one national agency that was in charge of investigating is is making allegations against uh, the other. Right. That it's is not correct. just random people on the internet saying correct. Well, I heard this. It's thing. Not in the comment section. Okay, great. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Uh, so NTSB investigator James Spear, he's been open about saying that he walked into the hangar at one point. And caught a unnamed FBI agent using, I think it was like a hammer, on pieces of wreckage to change their shape, which is just more than a little bit unusual when you want to keep things as they were. When it's like a crime scene or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You you don't know what it looks like if you've modified its appearance. But he was was wanging on something. Is is this guy sure it was wreckage and not just something else Uh, that was not wreckage? As far as I'm aware, they only had wreckage in there. It wasn't like they were storing wreckage. And by the way, the auto shop was next door, and he was working on his Pontiac. Well, yeah, they had other stuff in there, I'm sure. They had their tools. They had their lunch boxes. There was miscellaneous other stuff. I don't think he was there. fixing Not his thermos. Wreckage. I don't know, maybe it had. A but I don't know. Uh, so here's other things that they they out the their allegations they have out there. Um, they say that David Mayer, who was the the NTSB's or the NTSB? Yeah, he's the NTSB's head guy for this investigation. He was seen, uh, believed to be colluding with the FBI, and he was going through the hangar. And as things were coming in, they were being tagged with their location. You know, what zone did they come from? How did they get there? And he apparently was changing what was written on the tags, which is highly unusual because, again, that changes and says the landing gear didn't drop in first, it dropped in last. That would greatly influence your conclusion of the order of events of the explosion. Yeah. So that has got people... there's a lot of people who just hate that guy's guts. Right. They do mm. not like him at all. I don't have an opinion on him, but they they go to some pretty great lengths to say some rather nasty things about him. Mm. But again, why why are they doing all this? Why are yeah. they hiding it? Well, if it's a military mistake, then that gives them a reason to all work the NTSB and the FBI to work together with whatever military organization it was to hide the fact that they accidentally took down one of our civilian yeah. crafts. But I don't I don't see how, how changing the labels so it looks like I don't know, I just don't see how that really affects the outcome of the investigation all that much. I mean I think it redirects it. If you think that a part of the plane fell off first 
Yeah. And then now you think it in the very beginning, and now you think it fell off halfway through the process. Yeah. That's going to change. The plane broke up in, in a different way. Yeah, I see it's going to change your is. analysis. Yeah. I kind of I kind of see what that is, but it still doesn't take away the fact that if the military screwed up, took it down with a missile, that physical evidence is going to remain. That's it's, it's true. Still going to be there. There should yeah. be, and and people have said, listen, the missile probably actually uh, there. Okay. We're going to jump forward, and then I'm going to get into this. So we're going to get into the documentary multiple missile theory. But the, there's people who say that, listen, the missile didn't actually explode in the plane. It just punched through the plane from underside to top side, And that's what caused the explosion. And so because that metal was torn and not ignited and melted... They're not seeing it. And I'm using air quotes when I'm saying they're not seeing it. Do I believe that? I'm not 100% on board with that. So like I said before, there multiple times now, there's a documentary. This is the 2013 documentary uh, focused on the event. And it's I'm pretty sure it's made by Tom Salcott. He's features prominently in it he's actually in the one that's from 2007 or 8 i think that's the year anyway i keep forgetting what year the the older one was made in Uh, and he's made allegations pretty much from the beginning he was in the meetings uh, the official hearings back in 2000 that were taking place on this so like this guy is deeply involved what's his relation to it is he just an investigator or he just took an interest in it okay. and went from there he has he had no formal training he had he's no the guy reason to be involved in it you he's the one he planted the bomb you yeah think? yeah he did I, it. I, I think you're right yeah all right uh, so, but as I've, we've already talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, he, along with several other people, didn't feel that the NTSB and the FBI were doing everything above board. And one of the things that they they use to say that something is being hidden is the bodies of the people in the plane. And, and I apologize, it's going to be a tad bit graphic here, but the bodies of the passengers should have shown evidence of it, Exposure to extreme fire temperatures or extreme heat Mm -hmm. and extreme pressure changes. And they also should have shown evidence uh, from, you know, if they were thrown out of their seats or their seats disconnected from impacting other objects inside of the plane and eventually and possibly the surface of the ocean. Yeah. And that should have followed a pattern, which it makes sense. You Depending know, sit- on where they were sitting in the plane. Yes. And, and after they identified the bodies, they right. would know the where they were sitting The guy in the tail of the plane is probably not going to be burned, whereas the person sitting over the center wing tank should have suffered extreme you know, yeah. fire damage. Some of the, yeah, some of the other stuff, like when they're talking about trauma and stuff like that, it's like, you know, after this body has fallen, like, you know, thousands and thousands of feet and hit the ocean... And then maybe been submerged for a while. Yeah, how do you, how the hell can you tell? I mean, I I, yeah. I understand the burns. You're going to recognize burns, mm-hmm. but you know some of the rest of that I'm not so sure about. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing is, is that they're saying, according to this documentary, they say that the medical examiner's stuff. I don't want to say it's fabricated, but maybe modified or altered because they say the infra, the conclusions, because they're saying that there are bodies that weren't burned that should have been burned and there were bodies that were burned that should not have been yeah people and the same, further back in the plane that should not have been burned right and, burned. and the same right? thing with yeah. impact damage and stuff like that they they really they go off on this 
But if you, when I read things, and it took me several times to really internalize this, the center wing tank is not the only thing on fire. The, the wings are venting fuel and burning, which means the body of the plane is, the, the center of the fuselage has got fire pouring down it. So it actually maybe does make sense that some people who are farther back in the plane are well, burned. But you it know, doesn't... The, the, the heat source isn't the only thing. That, you know, it, it, even if that wasn't happening, if, the, if it was a center wing tank that was on fire, and mm-hmm. that's where the big conflagration is going on. Right. And also, you know, the, these are people seated behind it, well back and everything like that. But, but the plane is still moving forward at a high speed. What happens is all that heat is pushed back into yep. the plane. So the people actually, it would actually cool the people right next to the tank. They would be less likely to get burned. The people behind them would be more likely mm-hmm. to get barbecued. It's kind of the way I'm thinking. Yes, it. I, it I be, totally agree know. with that. I just, yeah. I agree. I just agree that it's weird that... Um, it sounds like not everybody in like rows were burned or well the the burns didn't like the theoretically you should expect that the row of seats right so let's just say i'm making up a number here row 27 mm-hmm. a to f they should all, all should have had relatively similar burns right but instead only a b and c of 27 c and or D and E of the row behind him. And then, you know, so it's kind of makes a, a stagger pattern. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I've seen pointed out is that like the, the injuries and stuff seem to not be as uniform as one would, you know, initially expect. But then again, explosions and fires tend to not be it's like, uniform. It's yeah. like pandemonium chaos kind of thing. Yeah. Know, but also, um, I don't know, this, this makes me think that if I fly in a 747, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit right over that center wing tank. I always yeah. sit over the wings because it's the smoothest ride. Yeah, that's, that's another good reason because um, it's the fulcrum of the plane. It's the fulcrum of the plane. <laughs> yeah. No matter what's going on, it's the smoothest ride. And, yeah. you know, obviously we can just, we can only hope that these people were dead well before any of this uh, uh, yeah. Some of the ones in the back might have, just... might have actually survived I really bit. hope that the initial explosion was Just enough to, if all. nothing else, render them unconscious. I would, yeah, because yeah, otherwise it would be a terrifying ride. And then when that big wave of, of searing heat comes back, that would, and, so yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would really suck. Yeah, you yeah. should stop there, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree, it is a little weird. Knowing that there is some semblance of a pattern makes me, you know, I initially, when I read that, was thinking like, Okay, so passengers in um, like A, C, and E were all burned, but like in B, D, and F were fine, right? And that to me is like, well, that's 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 that Sherlock episode where it's mm-hmm. just a plane full of people who are already dead. Like right. that's how that happens. That's the that only way that happens, yeah. right? But I, you know, knowing that there it was kind of like in this weird maybe diagonal pattern, that doesn't bother me as much because that. I can understand how, you know, things could be traveling like that. So, and, it, right. and, it also, okay. and also to me does not indicate, you know, missile versus fuel tank explosion. It doesn't like, you know, it doesn't make anything. No. It doesn't make me think, Agree. you know, terrorist bomb or accident or whatever. It doesn't change anything really. The, well, the other thing that really sticks in, in Salcut and team's craw is the interviews with the witnesses because we we mentioned this before but the FBI did all the interviews because this was still a criminal investigation at the time 
And all that was provided was the FBI investigators' notes. It wasn't as if it was a transcript of what was stated. Mm. Yeah. And so, therefore, it's already a slightly modified version of the conversation. So they say, well, obviously, that's not the entire conversation. And they say that the fact that the NTSB then declined to re-interview these, these witnesses, because the NTSB said, listen... There's like, five, I don't know, let's just say 500 people were, were interviewed, because that's a ballpark about the right number. I think it was more like seven or 800, but, yeah, but whatever, just, a lot I'm, of people. I'm, I'm round figuring it. So round figure, let's just say 500 are, they want to talk to. Yeah. But those people have already been talked to once, and now a year, two, three have passed, and memory changes, and that's a lot of effort and time to track those people down and re retake their statements. And so well, their statements may have changed. And they change, yeah, and so they and took them completely been... as is from sure. the FBI. That totally makes sense, because also there's been a lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. which was, is also going to influence these people's thoughts about the whole thing. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it, may, it really makes it worthless to go back and re-interview them. Oh, they, should, they probably should have recorded or maybe... Uh, the I FBI, I think, really was a little too cursory with that with part. That. Yeah. I, you know, that was my initial question when we were first talking about the case was, you know, people reported they saw missiles. Well, did they report they saw a missile after they found out that a plane exploded or did they just on their own think, oh, that looks like a missile? Right. right. Because I, yeah, if I saw faulty. something go up in the air and then learned that a plane had exploded. I would think that ah, looked kind of like a missile. But at the time when I saw the initial thing, I might have thought that looks like a crappy firework. Like what's going well, on there? Some people were thinking that. And right. also, let's not forget, this was less than two weeks after Fourth of July. Right. The holiday. But that's what I mean but, is like yeah. that was my initial question was. And that's it's so indicative of how that can change. There's so much perception. And also, like you said, you know, they should have just... They should have recorded should have it much recorded better than it. that. Come on, guys. That probably um, so so here's yeah. here's where this gets... So this is what I... So this whole part we've been talking about is the multi-missile theory. And this this is the part of where... Okay, well, there's two things about Sal Cut and the documentary that I don't like. One, it bugs the hell out of me that he hijacked the last five, 10 or 15 minutes of the documentary to talk about how his mom died when he was a kid. That was weird. But what also bugs me is that they they start saying, oh, no, the plane was taken down by multiple missiles. The early documentary that he was featured in says it was two missiles. Now it says more. And then when you go to the 2013 documentary, they've upped the ante and they've moved it to three missiles. And as far as I can tell, what they're doing is they're basically figuring out where these people were in time and on the, the coast. And then saying, okay, well, these people must have saw this one. And these people must have saw that one. And they've assembled this timeline of three missiles impacting this plane almost exactly at the same time. Instead of saying that the witnesses could have been faulty and... There, could have but, been seeing something well, weird. It's hard it. enough sometimes to, for things to hit a, a moving object, just a, one of them. You know, yeah. you know that's but, why they usually yeah, fire simul- multiple projectiles. Three simultaneously, that's, that's unlikely. But, but yeah, and, and the thing about it is, and, and that, what, they're, what they're doing, constructing, reconstructing it that way makes kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Because from the, point, the vantage point of some of the witnesses, well, it looked like it was coming straight up from the ground. Others said... Oh, no, it looks like it was coming at about a 45-degree angle from, like, north to south. And right. Others, others said east to west, west to east. And, and so, you know, you assemble all that together, you get the trajectories of what maybe were three missiles. Or 
maybe a couple of pieces of fireworks. I mean, because again, we Americans, if you don't know this, we like our we like our we love to send things into the sky and make them like, explode. We like things that go bluey. Yeah, we like yeah we like our noisy, explosive, dangerous toys. And our dogs and cats don't. But no, we no, do. No. no, yeah. And so again, two two less than two weeks after Fourth of July, but there's still some strafe rockets out there that people had. Yeah, and the, were so shooting the, out. So it's going to be some of that stuff going. But here's on, the funny you know? thing: is that I was watching something. This was actually today. I was walking, watching, and they were saying, "Well, listen, if this had been." like a stinger missile, you know, something a guy launched off uh, his, his shoulder, something no. like that, or even if it was from a ship, um, actually more of the stinger missile, it would have taken off and about one or two seconds after it left the barrel that of the, the launcher, it would have began to burn its fuel that it makes smoke as it propelled itself upwards. But you would only see that trail of smoke for about seven seconds, yeah. and then it would exhaust that fuel and continue on its trajectory unaided, you know, just yeah. under its own force, but there'd be no trail at that point. So now you got another up to seven seconds of flight yeah, these people for were, impacts. And these, yeah, exactly. And these people were recording... Um... The, the trail reporting. going all the way up and then going boom. Yeah, they were reporting, and for like you know, in some cases, like thirty seconds. Yeah. And again, yeah, all these little, all these little man pad type launchers. Yeah, like I said, they have maybe seven or eight seconds of burn time, and that's mm-hmm. it. Just bam. And so, which is what? Yeah, so that's one of the things that really, it really kind of sunk the it was launched from the coast by a person theory for me. Mm-hmm. What we have here, though, is we do have, believe it or not, we still have remaining theories. Oh, we do. We're way into this, and we're not They're done. bad. They're bad theories, though. Like Michael Jackson bad? I'm bad. You no. know. No? Not that no. kind like of bad? Like O.J. Simpson bad. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so bad theory number one, according to Devin, is the meteorite theory. Actually, I don't think this is so bad. I think that I, the I odds on this are astronomical, but... Well, they uh-huh. are. She got it. Yeah. <laughs> got it. For once, you like to joke. I didn't like it. I just got it. Okay. So there's absolutely <laughs> no support for this theory, but what it said is that a bolide... Is it bolide or bolide? I think, I think it's bolide. I thought I so, care, too. Yeah. A bolide causes the destruction of this plane, and here's how it works, is that a meteor comes... You know, just shuttling into our atmosphere heats up to the point that it explodes into a bunch of little bits. Yeah, like that one that, that, yeah, like that one that blew up over Russia several years ago. This stuff happens. Oh, it happens every day. It happens all the time on varying scales. And they're saying that what happened is it was at just the right place and time that when it exploded, those that bits of shrapnel that came off of it went into the the aircraft and that's what ignited it and that's what set the entire explosion off yeah i would think that if this was the case for as many airplanes as we have in the sky this should have happened more than just this no one actually time. no actually it, i could see it being a one-off thing really again this is a really this if it did happen it would be an extremely rare occurrence mm-hmm. extremely rare okay and, and so I could totally. The only reason I don't buy this theory entirely is number one, there's no there's no proof for it, yep. even though it's plausible, it's possible. But I think it's very unlikely that if it had happened, that the plane would have only been hit by by one piece of meteorite. It would have been hit by at least several. 
if not, you know, hundreds. Who knows? I, when blue lights blow up, I don't know how many pieces they actually explode into. I think it really Probably depends on the unique one. Yeah, it totally does, I'm sure. And so, you know, it seems unlikely to me that it managed only one piece hit the plane. Well, you know, I mean, Bob breaks into four pieces while, while Tommy over there breaks into a hundred. I mean, it really just yeah. depends on what kind they are. So yeah. I mean, it could be that it broke into three, but one of those things just hit it just right. Yeah, but uh, it's unlikely as it is. I mean, such things happen. I yeah. Mean, if you look at the look at the surface of the moon, look at all those meteor impacts on there, in, in, a, in a, a system the size of our solar system, and a target as tiny as our moon, it's ex- every single one of those dots on the moon represents an extremely unlikely occurrence. No, yeah, and Joe, yet, no, no, Joe. And, no, and yet all, it did the... happen eventually. Listen, yeah. I, I know nobody's told you this before. Yeah. But the moon has acne. Oh, is that's that what all it that's is? really going oh, on. Acne, yeah. 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 Oh, damn it. Okay. Yeah. It's still Those a teenager. You know? I feel so yeah. foolish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's but anyway, uh, enough about. But I, I like the theory. But you know. Yeah. In in practice, I just I I have a really hard time saying that's what's going on. But we're, let's move to the last theory in this, which is that this was uh, this whole thing was caused by electromagnetic interference. And this one's also kind of tough to follow, and it's all based on high-intensity radiated fields, um, which is HIRF is what you see the acronym all the time, and yeah, all military, the time. If you read this kind of stuff, you see okay. it. You guys have talked about this with oh god, what's the place that uh, does? Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought um, about Skinwalker Ranch or no, uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's basically it's the idea that like directed mil- microwaves. That kind of thing. yeah, it's microwaves. Yeah. You directed energy. So a microwave in your kitchen or office, you know, common area, is really on a small scale directing all kinds of high radiation in, or it's all kinds of high energy radiation into one very close area. What this is saying is that military vessels are able to actually shoot beams of that at targets and disrupt them to a degree that they can disable them. That's, well, yes, we can do it in a, in a microwave and maybe we can throw high energy freak or high RF stuff some distance to hit a plane at 14,000 feet is just pretty far out there. And almost nobody takes this seriously except for the one person who brought it to the NTSB. What's her name? I do not remember her name. It's Elaine oh, Scary or something? Oh, Scary. Yeah. Scary yeah. or Scary? I don't. Elaine Scary. It's I like scary. it. Scary. Scary. Okay. Scary. Yeah. But it's yeah, scary. It's, it's Elaine Scary. She's the only one who says they can do this. Yeah. I, I know that the military can do stuff like this, they're but I just don't think on, it's on that scale. They're well, they're, they're, especially in 96. Yeah, in 96, I don't, I don't know that they had. I mean, they've been working on things like directed energy weapons like the, that can basically reproduce an, an EMP pulse, right. and, but directed at like an enemy fighter and fry all of its electronics, mm-hmm. all kinds of cool stuff like that. Of course, we've got lasers. They're now... They're not getting ready to start downsizing lasers, powerful lasers, and put them on planes and stuff. And so we're getting to that point where we, we're actually going to have lasers on planes. It's wait, really... wait, wait, wait. Does that, does that mean fighter jets are going to be going around going pew, 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 yeah. pew, pew, for real? I, uh, well, I think it's going to be more for uh, develop, like, like, like protecting against incoming rockets and things like that. Oh. Yeah, but, uh, but will they make still the noise? Still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah no. still very cool. Will they cool. install speakers on the planes no, so they make it, the noise? They should. That would be no. awesome. 
They should, at least for air shows, you know, they should, they should totally install speakers on the plane for air shows. I think what they should yeah. do is install speakers, but they're connected to a microphone in, like, the dude's headset. So he's just he's in there going, pew, 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 I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know about this story. All right. So We've been doing I, a lot uh, of so these let's, lately. Let's, let's do a throwback here to something that we, we don't do very often. Preferred theory. I don't have one. That's what I was uh, just saying, is I don't have one. Yeah, my preferred theory is the short in the fuel tank. Uh, I think it's the best supported. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, because the missile, uh, if the military had done it, our military, there would have been an accounting for it. They wouldn't have gotten away with it. If terrorists had done it, they would have taken credit for it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, really, the, I lean, the, short, the short really worked. Although... Again, even the NTSB does not say they're 100% sure that that's what caused the explosion. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. remember, they they recover 95% of the airplane, not all of it. Yeah. And people have said, well, you put parts of it in the wrong place. So that might not be right. Yeah, so okay. it's hard to say. But I'm, I'm, I'm mostly behind that it was an accident. I will say that I'm not totally opposed to the idea of... Uh, you know, a high explosive kind of shrapnel bomb throwing something. But, that would have left a lot more puncture but marks that's, in the plane. But again, yeah, that's that's the thing that's is the that the other that ones, yeah. you know, don't line up with the data for me. So I yeah. And then there was there was one sub theory on that is that well maybe uh, one of those one of those exploding shrapnel you know air interceptor bombs went off but it went off some kind far, of chaff bomb. It went, but well, it went off far enough away. And we're talking a regular bomb, just like what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But it went around. It went off far enough away. That only one chunk of it hit the plane, and that happened to punch through the the center wing tank and, mm-hmm. and blow the plane up, and and that's why you don't see all these puncture marks all over the plane. And the NTSB actually actually did consider that theory, and if you read their report, yeah, uh, and it, they it, considered. I they was considered actually it, kind of surprised yeah. at all of the things included in the report that they considered. Yeah, and they considered it. Well, let's face it; it's it's rather unlikely. Uh, proximity fuses and those things. I you know, I mean. Uh, maybe a malfunctioning proximity fuse and everything. I don't know. It's just a confluence of things, of very unlikely things. Number one, yep. the terrorist who ha- happens to have one and doesn't feel like taking credit for the whole thing, and this thing just happens to be defective and goes off way too far away from the aircraft it's supposed to be taking down. I mean, it's a lot of things. Yeah. It's hard to buy. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so let's let's finish up here. We got you know a little bit of housekeeping as usual. Oh boy! Uh, if you have thoughts about this story and you want to reach out to us, you're more than welcome to do so. You can reach out to us by email by at thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. So if you got suggestions for other stories or comments on this one or anything like that, you want to reach out and talk, you can totally do it there. Uh, You can reach out to us on social media. So we have the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So join the group and like the page. Don't forget to answer the questions when you always answer the questions when you're joining the group, but there's lots and lots of good conversations about episodes going on in there. We're also going to be on Reddit 
where we have a subreddit, Thinking Sideways, and we're on Twitter, Thinking Sideways, uh, and Devin always tweets back at everybody because she's a good tweeter. Not everybody. Uh, Most everybody. Most people. Okay. Oh, not me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. she, she never responds to Joe for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she sees you all the time. Uh, you can, of course, get this episode in a myriad of places, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you stream and or download from. You're currently using that. Continue on and you can add us to your subscription list and that would be awesome. If you have the ability to leave a comment and a rating in whatever avenue you're using, please do so because that helps other people find us. And last but not least, if you want to read any of the information or some of the information that we found about this particular story or find other stories that we've covered, go to our website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. On there, you'll find episode links for, or story links for each episode. You can stream, you can download, you can find the merchandise that's available to purchase because uh, we do have shirts and stuff like that on the website. Yeah, so that's all there. Yeah. Uh, we have a full episode list on the website as well and a separate page. So you can go in there and check that thing out to see if we've done a story before because it's super convenient that way. So that's all that we've got for this particular episode in this week. So uh, uh, we're really close. I think Christmas just passed. Oh, I think this is a Christmas episode. Uh, so Merry Christmas oh, if, it, if it is, or if happy you're into Christmas or whatever. Or happy Hanukkah or whatever holiday that you prefer to celebrate. Congrats, and uh, it's almost the new year, so yay, new oh, year. And, new year, and no plane crash. And I hope you're not yeah. traveling by your plane now that we've yeah. done this. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Yeah, you might want to travel by the ultra-safe high-speed train. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, well, I'm going to pack wrong. my chute and get out of here. We will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Toodaloo.